Good morning. There is little doubt in my mind that this scene that we just heard in the Gospel of John ultimately led to the crucifixion days later. It certainly wasn't the only thing, but I imagine this was the last straw, what Jesus did in the temple. And what is it that he did? He challenged the temple, a place of sacredness, a place of reverence, a place of traditions and history, and he challenged what it had become. The temple was the place where faithful would go to sacrifice, to have their sins forgiven. Um, If you had the means, you could bring an animal with you, sheep or something, and it would be sacrificed by the priest in the temple, and your sins were forgiven. But if you didn't have those kinds of means, or you were traveling from a distance, you could come to the temple and purchase an animal. And you would take your Roman currency, bring it to the temple, which you couldn't use in the temple. You could only use temple currency. And you would give the Roman money to the money changers, who would then exchange it for temple money. And I can almost picture, I don't know this is a fact, but I can almost picture the money changers saying to the people, here's your temple money now, just go down this hallway, um, and there are the animals, you know, and pick one out. Um, I may be exaggerating, it might not be totally fair, but uh, people would go, and those who had enough currency, they, they could buy a, a, a sheep. Uh, for some who were poor, they could buy a bird, and you'd bring that to the priest. The priest would sacrifice that animal, and your sins were forgiven. Jesus walks into the midst of this and has just had enough. He challenges the folks in the temple. He challenges, in many ways, the leadership. This is not, this is not what my Father has in mind for you as a people of faith. This is not part of the covenant with Abraham and Sarah. This is not part of the covenant with Moses. This is not in the Ten Commandments, which we heard from our first reading this morning. This dramatic scene where he overturns the tables and casts out the animals. It's one of those scenes where sometimes it's difficult to picture Jesus filled with this anger. But he's challenging the institution for its sinfulness. Institutions, temples, churches, synagogues, we can have sinfulness in our, in our very organization, in our institution, because we're human. We create and shape these institutions. And Jesus is challenging that, challenging it. I want to reflect a little bit this morning on that idea of institutional sin and reflect on some uh, thoughts that our bishops are inviting us uh, to, to engage with, to encounter in our story as an Episcopal church, in our history as an Episcopal church, in our history, in our present, so that going forward, we can become something different. The bishops wrote a letter that to each congregation um, and asking the congregation to share this letter uh, with the folks. And uh, we've, we've kind of chosen to do this in Lent. It just seems an appropriate time as we gather to seek forgiveness, not only for things that are done, but as we say in our confession, things done and left undone. And in our lives, personally, in our lives as church, sometimes there's many things that are left undone. Uh, And the bishops have written a letter following up from our diocesan convention 
saying, at convention in November, we announced an invitation, an expectation, for the congregations of the Diocese of North Carolina to engage in the work of racial reparations and restitution, beginning with an intentional process of truth-telling and reckoning. This engagement is an essential expression of our commitment to Christ and to his call for justice and love, and thus to the mission, health, and well-being of each congregation. For those of us at convention, and you can talk to our delegates as well, um, we were gifted by a talk uh, by the Reverend Lindsay Audrey, who has been brought on as the canon missioner for reparations and restitution ministry in our diocese. Uh, got to meet her recently. She was actually gathered here for, for a meeting. And um, what an incredibly gifted uh, priest in our diocese. And uh, her, her talk at convention is actually available on the website. Uh, might make that available to us to, to really hear her, her talk on this. Um, inviting us into this kind of work. The diocese has done a lot of work on our history as a diocese. It has to do with what we call truth-telling, looking at our history, looking at our story. You know, all of us have histories and stories. Our families do. As individuals, we do. Um, institutions do. Our own Episcopal diocese has a history. And the Reverend Rhonda Lee has put together this wonderful piece about the history of our diocese, building on the work of Brooks Grabner, who was our diocesan historiographer, and many others. And um, she wrote this incredible history of the Diocese of North Carolina's history of institutional racism through 1960. Powerful, powerful writing. Uh, I've read it. And it took me time to read it because I would read some of it and it would just strike me. I had to sit with what I, what I had just read. And, and it was challenging and engaging. Um, and um, it looks at the history, not only the history of our beginnings, but the history that takes place during our lifetimes, what's happening in the present and what we can do going forward. Things that are kind of surprising, shocking for ha perhaps for many people. You know, our first bishop of this diocese owned slaves. Many of the founders of this diocese were slaveholders. Some of their land was used to build churches and, and offices. And, um, throughout its history, the Jim Crow laws, redlining, racial profiling, things that have been part of not just our church, but the world in which we live. But it has entered into our church. It has been a part of, of our system, of our history, of our story. And we're called to, to, to face that, to have truth-telling, so that we can move forward and do the work that we're being called to do, the work of healing, the work of restitution, the work of reparation. I know that word reparation has a lot of reaction from folks, but I want to kind of engage with that word a bit today as we gather during this season, season of Lent. The word reparation actually has a deep, deep theological meaning. It actually comes in many ways in the world of theology. It comes from the Hebrew scriptures. For instance, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah says, your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. 
You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. The repairer of the breach. That's the meaning of the word reparation. To repair the brokenness, repair what has gone before. Not just to look at perhaps what has gone before and seek forgiveness, but to recognize the brokenness that that history may have created. And how do we now in the present face that and look to the future of bringing about healing and wholeness and reparation, healing the breach going forward? That's the work we're called to do as a people. And here at St. Paul's, over the years, we, 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 we've engaged in many dimensions of this. And we want to continue deepening this journey going forward. We want to repair the breach going forward for what has been done in the past and what's still happening in the present. I mean, there's still challenges among us. As new development happens in this community, people being pushed out, particularly people of color. How do we engage with that? How do we act on that? Now, I know people here at St. Paul's and in many places, we may be at different places in this journey. Some, for some of you, reading, talking about, engaging with, may be the beginning of that process. For others who are ready to act and to move forward, there are opportunities here at St. Paul's to do that, and folks have been doing that. Wherever we are in this journey, invite you to engage in this, during, particularly during this, let, let this Lenten season be a place to send us forth into the work that is before us. Work that we have started, work that we need to continue, and we have a lot more to do, a lot more as a people uh, and, and as a people of faith. Significant work. I know it's significant to me in the work that we do here at St. Paul's. This sin of racism is alive and we have to somehow engage and encounter this and act on it, act on it. We've done many things over the years here at St. Paul's. We've Racial Equity Institute, which is a, a workshop of a few days to, to really learn how to bring equity into the workplace, into organizations, into institutions. We've, got, we've had opportunities of, of studies, book studies, for instance, that um, engage with us, to, with each other, to have conversations, to talk, to be perhaps in different places on this, but to engage together, to see how we can move forward together. Our racial justice planning group has offered many opportunities like this. We have a book study I'll talk about in announcements later, an opportunity to come together. But the challenge is not just to talk about it or to read about it or to recognize that this happened, but how do we act going forward? And that is the invitation that our diocese is challenging us to and inviting us into. The letter that I refer to uh, and began reading the opening part of is available in the narthex today. I encourage you to take one with you. Um, take that home with you. Read it. Listen to it. See some of the resources that are available through that letter. It's important work. 
It's facing things and challenging ourselves to move forward. Um, want to share with you, <clears throat> I keep my voice, uh, a prayer from the House of Bishops uh, from a few years ago. And I want us to reflect on this, and as we go forth this day, uh, to do the work that needs to be done, to heal, to repair the breach, and what actions are we called to do to make that difference? That's the challenge, and we need to respond to that challenge as a people of faith. Creator God, you call us all your children, inviting us to be renewed in your love season after season, in every age and time. We gratefully accept your love and blessing, acknowledging the abuse and rejection we as a church have willfully handed out. We seek your healing streams of life, aching to honor those whom we have hurt and repair the broken places. Abide with us, Creator God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, loving, living, and true. Amen. And as we confessed just a few moments ago, let us be sorry not just for the things we've done, but the things that have been left undone. And may we go forward acting and changing and bringing about wholeness and healing.